Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Hopeful Environmentalist. Today, we have a very special episode where we're talking about sustainable business practices. We talk about a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We talk about a lot in this episode. Uh, transparency in business practices and why it's important. We go into ocean plastic and talking about ocean-bound plastic versus ocean plastic and, and a lot more, a lot more stuff. But I'm going to get right into it and start introducing our guest speaker, our guest speaker is Deirdre Haran, who is the founder of Dry, which is pronounced, which is spelled D-R-I. At Dry, they're protecting our oceans by creating durable, environmentally sustainable rain umbrellas from recycled ocean-bound plastic. Their mission is to turn off the tap on ocean plastic by intercepting plastics before it pollutes our ocean. In this episode, we talk about ocean-bound plastic versus ocean plastic, sustainable business practices, the importance of transparency in businesses, and we also get to learn about our guest speaker's company, Dry. Dry Umbrellas officially launches on April 21st, which is Earth Week, via Kickstarter. I will attach links so you can be notified when the campaign goes live if you would like to support, and I will also attach the link to their website and Instagram so you can follow along. I also want to note that this episode is not sponsored in any way. I really just loved this company and I really wanted to support and I think it's really important that we support small businesses that have sustainability at the forefront of what they do and their missions and their products and ensuring that companies that we're supporting companies that also are very ethical in all of their supply chain. So it's also Women's History Month and why not support a woman owned business? Let's get right into this episode and let's welcome our guest speaker, Deirdre Haran. Thank you so much for having me, Taylor. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I really want to hear about your company. So can you tell us a little bit about Dry and what your motivation was to start it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm creating a line of environmentally sustainable rain umbrellas at Dry. Um, they're made from recycled ocean-bound plastic. So we're working predominantly in areas around the globe that are most impacted by plastic pollution um, to make sure we intercept that plastic before it enters the seas. Uh, because right now an estimated 33 billion pounds enter every year. So it's definitely a, a problem that needs to be addressed on many levels. So um, that's what we're working towards right now. Wow, that's awesome. And I feel like 33 billion pounds. Wow. I know. I can't like quantify that or like try to see what it would be like in something else like I don't know that's crazy I know I know it's a really incomprehensible number so the best comparison I've heard is that it's two garbage trucks full of plastic being dumped in every minute of every day for an entire year so way too much is the answer to that question and there's an estimated um a report from five gyres recently came out and it's an estimate uh, 170 trillion pieces of plastic are currently in the ocean, um, which obviously is another incomprehensible number, but just goes to show the amount that's already in there and the amount that we continue to put in every year, obviously is way too much. So things need to be done about it. Um, so that was really the precipice and the motivation behind Drive was I watched a really disturbing documentary on ocean plastic. I had no real background in environmentalism, conservation, anything like that. But um, the documentary really shook me because it's starting to pollute the air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink. And it's just becoming such such a big environmental problem. And at the time, not really a lot was being done about it. 
So it seemed like something that was kind of falling under the radar, but was having huge impacts on marine life, human health, like really checking all the boxes of environmental issues. Um, so it just felt like it needed to be addressed. And um, I'm from Boston and the weather can be pretty bad there. Um, and so I was walking to work with my umbrella and it flipped inside out and snapped as umbrellas so often do. And I was throwing it away because what else can you do with a broken umbrella? Um, and I saw the tag and the tag said made from 100% polyester. And I had just learned through that documentary, actually, that plastic can be um, spun into polyester yarn and sheets of polyester fabric. And that's what goes on top of an umbrella canopy. So that's what started um, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's, it's amazing to see like your journey and how like the power of storytelling, storytelling and, you know, environmentalism can mix together. You know, you watched a documentary, you learned about it, and then, you know, you applied it into your real life. And I think that's like really amazing that you were able to do that and make that connection. Thanks. It was, yeah, it was a big, it was exciting, very much a big undertaking because the first thing I had to Google was how to make an umbrella. So (laughs) I really had to start from the very beginning, uh, where to get ocean plastic, where to get umbrellas. It was, yeah, very much starting from square one, but it's been a very exciting journey and fulfilling too. So. Yeah, I definitely want to ask you about that a little later on in your journey with that. But, you know, next question I kind of have for you is, what is so you brought up ocean plastic and ocean bound plastic what what are those i even as an environmentalist i'm not even like educated on that and knowing what that is so i'd love to hear about that yeah absolutely so ocean plastic is actually plastic that's already in the ocean so um it's already polluting it whether it's on the seabed or it's floating on top of the water that's ocean plastic Ocean bound plastic is plastic that hasn't yet hit the oceans, but it's in danger of doing so. So you can find it in coastlines, uh, rivers, streams, or other waterways that will directly lead into the ocean. Um, So if you're going into ocean plastic, you're really cleaning it up. But if you're gathering ocean bound plastic, you're preventing it from entering the oceans. Um, And given the amount that goes in every year, focus right now is predominantly prevention because we can, you know, attempt to clean up the ocean, which would be very difficult and some believe not possible. Um, But at the very least, we can turn off the tap on it. That's really a much more manageable task. So uh, I spoke to a lot of scientists and oceanologists before I really kicked things off with dry just to make sure I was having the biggest impact. And they definitely said the way to start is to is to shut off the tap. Yeah, I I think our society is so reactionary instead of worrying about preventing it in the first place. So I think that's like really amazing to say like, okay, this plastic can be a problem, you know, and some people will be like, oh, well, it's not right now, but, you know, it will be and it can be and it it is. So how can we prevent it? So, yeah, I think that's that's key in anything we look at in all environmentalism and pretty much any movement in general or any human issue or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, so can you also talk a little bit about what microplastics are? Because I know I see that in a lot of a lot of times I see it in social media and people are talking about it, but not many people actually know what they are. And how does your company help to address the issue of microplastics? Sure. Yeah, so microplastics are any plastic that is smaller than five millimeters. 
And those are oftentimes found in the ocean because you'd have, let's say, a plastic bottle that makes its way out into the deeper sea. And the sun, the waves, the salt all start to make that plastic essentially break down in the middle of the ocean. Uh, plastic never disappears, that never biodegrades. Um, it just continues to break into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. And the real danger of microplastics is that they're very easy to ingest, both humans and especially animals. Um, marine animals a lot of times see certain plastics and they think that they're their food. They think that they're either other fish. Um, a lot of seabirds will you know, fly over the ocean and they'll see red microplastics and they'll think that it's shrimp or another type of fish and they'll eat those. So it's also severely impacting seabirds. Um, and then the microplastics fill up the animal's stomachs and they can suffocate, they can starve. So it really has really significant detrimental impacts on, on um, fish and marine life. And then in a lot of areas around the globe, the primary source of protein is fish. So it really makes its way up into the food chain, um, definitely onto our plates as well, which is, which is scary. A whole other, that's a whole other uh, <clears throat> rabbit hole we can go down. But yeah, microplastics are, are a huge issue and they have started to impact human health and found in human blood, fetuses, things like that. So we address it really in the sense of not letting the plastic get into the ocean. Then if it's not in the ocean, it can't break down into those microplastics as easily. So we take the plastic and have it recycled and shaped into plastic flakes, which are the base for the polyester yarn and the polyester fabric. So by doing so, we're preventing that bottle, that plastic from breaking down into smaller and smaller pieces and, and harming wildlife. I love that. Again, prevention is key. Um, and I also think about, you know, I've read a few studies and it was talking about how microplastics have are have been found everywhere now, like pretty much everywhere on the planet, even places that we don't really go to or we don't really you would think we dump plastic or whatever. But it, they've been found everywhere. And that's like scary to me that like we have had this impact as humans on the entire planet, you know, wherever you go, you know, there, we have touched it in some way. Um, yeah, so. it is really scary. It's been found all the way from the Mariana Trench to Mount Everest. So it really, unfortunately, has been found everywhere. And that's why, you know, companies like yours and starting sustainable brands like this, who are trying to prevent ocean bound plastic and ocean plastic in general is very, very important. Um, and again, prevention is key. I feel like that is the, the like theme of this episode is preventing things before they become the problems that we see and we talk about and we hear in the news. Um, yeah. So that's, that's again, prevention, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so important in making our planet healthier and safer for the next, for ourselves, for the generation after that, we kind of, we have to start acting on these environmental issues before they just get increasingly worse and worse. A hundred percent. So, you know, we talked a little bit about it before and, you know, I wanted to hear about, you know, how you started your own company and stuff like that, but what have been some of your successes and struggles when starting your sustainable company and, you know, what do you see that could be issues for other people? Like how could this impact them and how can they overcome these? Yeah. So I'd say a struggle was not really having a background in business in um, any sort of sustainability. It was definitely a learning curve. How can I minimize my carbon footprint while trying to 
prevent plastic from going into the oceans? Um, how can I make these handles, umbrella handles, not out of plastic or wood to avoid cutting down the Amazon? Like there's just a lot of pieces when you're making a sustainable product, you really have to think through um, not only the product itself, but the journey that it takes to land on your front step and the customer's front step. So um, I'd say that definitely is a struggle because unlike someone you know who just wants to make some random consumer product that's unrelated to sustainability, I'd say that they, being presumptuous, somewhat presumptuous, they don't have as strong of a concern about how it gets from point A to point B to point C. But a struggle in creating a sustainable product is not only how to create the product sustainably, but also you know, the entire supply chain and the entire journey of the product. So I'd say that that's a struggle that I've experienced thus far. Um, and successes, I mean, it was very cool to get the umbrellas knowing that they were made from ocean bound plastic and that we diverted, I got a sample of one umbrella, there are eight plastic bottles. Um, so it's just cool to think about it like that. And when we do our mass launch, our order quantity is 2000. So we'll have prevented 16,000 plastic bottles from entering the oceans, um, which feels really great to think about that number. That's amazing. Wow. That I, I can't imagine like the feeling you must have, like seeing that and seeing like, you know, you were helping to stop this issue or helping to prevent this issue. Um, that's, that's awesome. And I, that's amazing. I wish I could have that feeling of being like, I did that. I'm like, no, just don't drink my water bottle, but uh, you didn't prevent anything. But that's awesome. I can't imagine that feeling. Yeah, it's really great. But I mean, it's also one of my favorite parts about it is giving other people the opportunity to have the impact. So, you know, it's 16,000 bottles, but I'm not preventing all of those myself. It's consumers who will be ultimately purchasing dry umbrellas that will have the impact. And listening to your podcast, I really feel like you do a great job of um, reminding people that we can have an impact and it can be, we can be a force for good. We just have to start thinking about the way we consume and the way we live and starting to invest in more environmentally um, aware products is definitely a good place for people to start. Mm, yeah. And that, that kind of gets into the next question a little bit about transparency and business practices. So what is the importance of transparency in business to ensure sustainability? Because I've, I've been to so many conferences and I hear these companies these big companies like Google and Apple and Tesla all talk about, you know, we're so sustainable, but I'm like, let's see the reports. <laughs> I'm saying like, yeah. how are you sustainable? Is, is, are your, your whole supply chain sustainable? Are you ensuring that there's no child labor or any human rights violations? What is that importance and what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. Uh, it's critical. I know, brief example, in my case, the first fabric supplier I was working at, I ultimately couldn't trust that the material was authentic. So it is like you really have to do your diligence to make sure what you're getting is what you think you're getting. Um, there is so much greenwashing out there that it's really hard to sort through what's legitimate, what's not. Just like being in the plastic space, um, I stumbled across the fact that not all plastic is recyclable. It has the little arrows on the bottom of it with the numbers in it and the numbers what's supposed to show you whether it's recyclable or not. But big plastics, big oil that made the plastics industry really uh, 
did no one besides themselves a favor in creating that system um, because they put recycling on the individual consumer rather than taking ownership for themselves. So big companies do definitely um, do definitely greenwash and they um, make it seem like they're doing better than they are. So I think asking questions as a consumer is definitely the way to go in terms of asking, do you have a certification for that or just messaging them because the more people that do so, the more one transparent they'll be or two, they'll retract those sustainability claims because if they can't show up for them, you know, if they can't prove that they're actually doing what they're saying they're doing and people are calling them on it, then um, you know, they, they can only lie for so long. Yeah, I uh, speaking of that, I know it's a little off topic, but I there was this company and they were selling it Nat Geo did something on it and they were selling elephant leather in the United States and that's like super not allowed like at all. <laughs> and I messaged the company and they weren't commenting on this and like people were doing like Nat Geo did this whole like thing to try to uncover what actually ele- like genuine elephant leather and I messaged the company and was like hi like it hurt me to say it but I was like hi like oh I really want to make sure because it was like a thousand dollars I'm like I want to make sure that this is genuine leather uh, elephant leather if I'm buying it and they're like oh let me help you with that like let's try to figure it out like well I'm like you don't know like what so you know making sure that a company is sustainable is like super important and like you said reaching out and saying mm-hmm. like hey, what is this? And if they're being sketchy, like, mm-mm, <laughs> stay away from it. Like, not dealing exactly. with <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, they have to, a lot of these companies have to be really careful with what they say. So when you get their responses, it becomes pretty clear whether or not they can actually prove, you know, proof is in the certifications, proof is in their responses. And um, like Dry Umbrellas, we are certified by Ocean Cycle, which is just a, a great certification company that works with, um various organizations essentially so I could avoid exactly what happened which is working with a fabric mill that I didn't feel like was giving me the authentic material so now it's also we have the certification to back that up which feels for me reassuring and hopefully for consumers as well and I think just requesting that of larger organizations is you know a very easy and reasonable thing to do and if they can't back it up then it's not a good sign for them actually being true to those claims Yes, I love that. And, you know, I feel like for myself, like sometimes I don't even think of that. Like I used to just buy whatever and didn't think about the implications that it has in the environment, on other people, on the ocean, you know, in specific wildlife. So I think, you know, through this episode as well, people understanding that, you know, you have so much power in what you buy and what you purchase. And again, this isn't just always putting it on the individual, it's also putting it on. Um, the corporations as well. So I think that's important that you kind of brought up both that, you know, we still do have the power as as consumers, but we also have the power to ins- push for ensuring that big and major companies are in- doing sustainable practices. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, of course. I, I feel like it definitely, it comes down to supply and demand. You know, if we don't buy those things and we don't engage with those, like the specific products or the specific businesses that we know aren't following sustainability practices or we're not buying plastic bottles or things like that um demand lowers and those organizations don't really have the numbers to justify continue producing them um and so we do have a lot of power as individuals if we're making the right decisions but 
that responsibility isn't entirely on us either. So I feel like a lot of times we'll try to shoulder that responsibility, but um, that's an easy way to get discouraged from, from the mission. So it's a balancing act. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, it totally is. You know, like I, I see things like people were, you know, with, with, plastic bottles. It was like, everyone's like, oh, you're drinking in plastic bottles. Well, some people right now don't have access to clean water. So mm-hmm. having a systems issue of creating and making sure that environmental justice issues like that are also being taken care of so that we don't have to blame people for drinking out of plastic water bottles. Cause that again, it's part of the issue, but again, big part of the issue is people don't have clean water. So, you know, it's a, it's, I always think of things now from a systems approach. I never did. I always thought of it as just like, okay, stop drinking plastic water bottles, you know? And then I learned mm. that that was a really like, privileged thing to say, you know, or stop mm. drinking out of uh, the straws that also became like a huge issue. And it's like, those are all issues still, but making sure that we're not putting that on people who are in these areas that they can't help it um, and that they're having their own environmental issues, um, putting it on the big corporations again and putting it on people who are polluting the water and to begin with. So I think that's really crucial and important. Yeah, absolutely. So my next question for you, we also talked about it a little bit. Um, What advice do you have to people who are interested in starting a company that is both based on sustainability and ethical products? Because, you know, I, I love your mission. I love what you're doing with your company. And I think, you know, other people hearing that, oh, this exists, we can do this. Or, you know, I can support a company like yours who is doing this. Like, how how can people do that? Yeah, so I guess I'd say for anyone interested in starting a company, my it, the way I look at it is sort of like the antiquated idea of the three R's, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, so creating a product that you look at and you think this could really use help, environmental help, right? Like 1.1 billion umbrellas are thrown away every single year. They end up in landfills. They're seen as a disposable item that you know, it's not surprised if it breaks after the second use. Um, and so that all becomes waste that piles up in landfills. It's a really polluting product. So I think it's like choosing your product carefully and making sure you're choosing something that needs actually assistance and what you're creating will be of assistance to the planet. Um, there's a lot of organizations, you know, there's a lot of shoes and shirts and those types of brands already, but maybe taking a look at, um, a specific product or, something that could actually use the environmental facelift. Although I have the utmost respect for those organizations as well. Any any organization really that recycles any type of plastic and incorporates that or makes a real attempt at um, incorporating sustainability into their business practices, I'm all for. So, um, but, you know, that's where I kind of take another stab is looking at places in the in the market that actually need the the help. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I think it's so important, you know, that we look at everything when starting a company. Um, So I appreciate that um, perspective on it. Last, you know, you know, we talked about all of these things that give us, you know, the the scary, like, oh, what's happening with the environment feeling, um, the doom feeling. So now, you know, again, I always try to say too, as well, like, I am the hopeful environmentalist, but you know, we're not blind to the issue that the issue is still here and hope is part of the pro- part of the define the solution. But, you know, we still need to talk about all of these things and learn about them. But now getting into that hope and trying to 
give people hope as well. What what makes you hopeful regarding the plastic crisis and the issues surrounding it? Yeah, I would say plastic uh, crisis and just climate change in general. Um, I'm very hopeful based off the amount of youth activists that I see or young activists. Like it is so cool and so powerful that we have, you know, the generation below us that's like fighting so hard for this because if it was vice versa and we had the next generation coming up who really couldn't care less, um, then that would be a much bigger issue. So it's very cool to see, you know, 11, 12, 13 year olds. I actually just talked to one of my um, cousin's daughter who's in second grade and is doing a, is doing a project on plastic pollution for her science fair. Um, and so that type of awareness at such a young age really makes me hopeful that the direction we're going is the right one. Although there's, you know, every day, it seems like there's some um, scary turn of events that's going to make everything worse. I think if you tune into the right channels, it'll also be very hopeful. So uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, youth advocacy is, is definitely playing a big role in this. So I'm excited to see where that shakes out as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about like the topic in general and just how our generation, like the youth generation is holding people accountable and that's both holding corporations accountable and even, you know, the people that we elect, we are holding them accountable. We are holding the businesses we support accountable. Um, so I really appreciate that as well, you know, looking at how the youth, if if it wasn't for the youth and the younger generations pushing this and advocating for it. And all the social media that we can do to connect, you know, we're able to talk to people from around the world and hear different perspectives. I think, you know, again, youth advocacy is super, super crucial for all of the crisis that our planet faces. Yeah, absolutely. And they just all seem so much more aware of it. Like when I was in second grade, I had no idea. Like I drank a lot of plastic bottles in my youth. And it's like very cool that the direction that they're headed is they all have their reusable water bottles and um, it's just, it's great to see that they're, they're headed in the right direction, which means we're headed in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I know. I, I don't remember ever thinking about like ocean plastic. I, how old is second grade? Like se- eight? Seven? I think, yeah, I think she's like seven, six yeah. or seven. Yeah. I never Wild. thought of that. So that's impressive. <laughs> good for, good for them. Exactly. Very impressive. Like this took me into my twenties to figure this one out. So <laughs> I'm um, very grateful that they're starting so young. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also important to know, you know, many people start their journey at different times and at different points. So if you're, you know, 60 years old, you can still start your journey. But again, it's so important to have youth creating better, a better future for themselves, the, everyone in the world, quite frankly, and you know, future generations. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's so important for us to remember to not be discouraged by this. It's really hard to act when you're just paralyzed into uh, fear or you're worried you'll be judged or things like that. I feel like judgment is a really big issue in the climate space, whether it's judging people for um, their individual actions. It doesn't really spur change. I've learned. So I think that it's really important to just kind of band together, reserve judgment, but encouraging better behavior um, versus, you know, coming at it from a negative angle that doesn't really, doesn't, hasn't really proved beneficial thus far. So I feel like we need to kind of change our approach and 
encourage good behavior versus being judgmental for the bad. Yes, I love that addition. It's super, super important that we are inclusive in everything we do um, and ensuring that, you know, we don't shame people, we educate people. I think that's, that's super important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Banning together versus kind of pinning against each other, I think, obviously, is going to take us much further. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and for all of the amazing, you know, insights and into sustainable businesses, practices and ocean plastic. You know, we covered a lot. So thank you for helping us out with that and educating us on this. Absolutely. Thank you, Taylor. It's been a pleasure. And that wraps up this episode of the Hopeful Environmentalist. I really hope that you all learned something new about ocean plastic or sustainable businesses and transparency. I know I did. I had no idea the absurd amount of plastic that is currently in our waterways and that there's a difference between ocean plastic and ocean bound plastic. I think that was something that I really took away. Um, but I really hope that this had a little bit of something for everybody, whether that be you want to make your own sustainable business and you don't know where to start knowing that others are out there who also are in the same place as you and they still were able to do it. I think that's really important. So yeah, I really hope that this was helpful for anyone who's trying to start a business or who just wanted to learn more about ocean plastics. And as mentioned in the beginning of the episode, if you want to support Dry, I have attached the link to support the Kickstarter campaign when it launches and to also support them and their website and follow them on Instagram. So if you want to support them and support a woman-owned business that is preaching sustainability and helping to protect our oceans and waterways, definitely do that. I definitely recommend that. And that wraps up this episode. So I hope that you learned something new and you were able to take something away from this. And as always, stay hopeful and create positive change.